this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me, as per usual, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello again. And uh, yeah, as we as we noted last week, no Steve Barkley. He's still out there fishing somewhere. Yeah, that's what he says he's doing. Yeah, well, who knows? That's right. Who knows about that guy? Um, woof. Wow. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. You really? Know, I'm not. It's been a little up and down with Steve away, but you know, it is what it is. So we'll make it through. Yeah. I'm pissed off. Uh, <laughs> because of the article I sent her? Oh uh, yeah. I'm, I'm livid about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm shot out of a cannon today. I'm, I, okay. But before we, before I even get into that though, uh, what, uh, what are we doing today? Today we are speaking with comedian Daryl Lennox. Oh yeah, I'm excited about this too. This is this is really cool. I can't believe we got them. Like this is amazing. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're pacing people, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're making more than I am, sir. I didn't realize we were paying out. Uh, that's good. Um, no, this is this is super cool. So Daryl Lennox, uh, I don't know, I don't know how people are familiar with him, but he's a really really funny comedian. He's been on Conan. He's been uh, he's been doing stand up for years. Very well established. I think he's got. I think he's got a couple Showtime specials. Um, is this a, this is a big get? Like this is a famous dude that we're talking to. I know. Woohoo! Thanks, Daryl. Yeah. So this is uh, this is nuts. So it's going to be a great show. I'm very excited about that. However, <laughs> I'm pissed off. I am pissed off as well because of this article that you ruined my morning, Ryan, sending me this. I was pissed off at the response from the border, but go ahead and let's discuss okay well let's so let, i'll set this up for people so this is out of the vancouver sun uh yesterday i believe um new border rules will prevent air travel for people who are blind or unable to use the internet the sub sub headline is cbsa that's uh canadian border services border services whatever yeah it's the canadian border services says no excuses people need to ask for help to file information before heading to the airport <laughs> that out of probably everything in this article that infuriated me the most and I'll, I'll circle back to that as to why but holy crap okay anyways uh the article goes on travelers who are visually impaired and people who do not have a smartphone or are unable to access the web could be blocked from flying into Canada when the rules change starting next week. Under rules enforced now, fully vaccinated Canadians must use the ArriveCan app or its web portal if they want to avoid quarantine. Travelers, travelers who neither use the app nor go online to submit their vaccine status and COVID-19 test results are ordered to quarantine for 14 days including three days at a government-approved hotel, even if they are fully vaccinated. However, starting August 9th, travelers who do not submit their information to the ArriveCan app or its web portal will not be allowed to board their plane to Canada, no matter what their vaccination status is. Travelers who submit their information online must print out and carry a copy verifying that ArriveCan has accepted the traveler's information. Uh, so I'm going to skip a little bit ahead because I'm going to get to the infuriating part. Okay, so the CNIB has complained to border services that its app makes it impossible for someone who is visually impaired to upload the required information to arrive can. CNIB board member Bob Fenton said the lack of forethought by the federal government is disappointing. Boy, is that understating things. So here's the problem. Their stupid app is not accessible. So, and this is, this is what gets my blood boiling because here we are, here we are over a year downstream of the, of the Accessible Canada Act, which dictates that government agencies 
have to have accessible services. And here we are, the, the Canadian Border Services create this app that's not accessible. And their response to that is to say something along the lines of no excuses, people need to ask for help. Like, no, you know what's no excuses? No excuses is a federal agency building an app and a web portal that's not accessible. That's where there should be no excuses. Ugh. Yeah, where's the checks and balances? Did anybody do any testing? Obviously not. And it shouldn't have been approved without any testing. Well, exactly. They, they should never have built. This is a new app. This is a brand new app. And they didn't even bother building it accessible. Like this goes completely against what the Accessible Canada Act is supposed to be doing. And once again, because we have this mechanism where, well, they get to police themselves in terms of, of enforcement. Um, this just is going to just skate completely through. Um, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that they didn't take an accessibility pass at this app and make sure that it's accessible before they launched it. And okay, I granted, I understand that this, the, you know, COVID-19 has made, has made us have to move on things sometimes. And sometimes things are a moving target, but I don't know, it's not that hard. Like if you, if you, the article goes on and talks a little bit about what makes the app um, inaccessible, uh, it, it's just, you know, it's typical accessibility stuff that somebody who knows what they're looking for and knows what they're doing could probably go in and fix this in, in not, it would be a long process. So, you know, they didn't even bother doing it. And that's just, that's what really infuriates me is there's just the lack of will to actually think about accessibility at any stage of development. And it's this is still going on. It's and it's that mindset that needs to be changed. And that's what I find so angering is that the mindset just isn't changing. People aren't taking accessibility into account. Well, that's why I mentioned to you earlier this morning that, you know, in some regards, we've kind of criticized the US for all the litigation suits that are filed against corporations and organizations for their inaccessibility or lack of accessibility. But when people do file a lawsuit, it brings attention to that, that case, that situation. Here in Canada, we don't have the mechanisms. We go through human rights. Maybe we need to become a little bit more litig litigious and start making some headlines about companies that are not meeting accessibility guidelines that we already have in place. You know, it surprises me 30 years after the ADA in the US, we still are having accessibility issues and I don't understand what it's going to take. You know, obviously education isn't working or if it is, it's very, very slow. And I think it's time to bring out the big stick. Yeah, but the, the trouble is that, yeah, there is no, but the trouble is there's no stick. Like well, there's, there's the nothing, you know, you can't awesome. sue, you can't sue a company for lack of accessibility if they're not mandated to be accessible in the first place so you, you can't and you can't sue the government well i mean i guess you i don't know maybe you can i don't even know i don't know what that process is like <laughs> but like yeah i mean it's it's written right into the accessible canada act that they're exempt from from their own rules yeah even though the rules are for them like it makes no sense and i remember speaking to that when the Accessible Canada Act came in and we were like, "Woo, this is kind of weird. They're exempt from from all of the enforcement, yet the, the act is supposed to cover them. So I don't know, like, I don't know, that's weird. And here we are, like the, there's there's really, I mean, sure, maybe border services will work with CNIB and they'll try to, to make a fix. I don't know, but the, I don't know, the tone of this article just makes it feel like their their reaction to this is just kind of like well you know whatever like you just, they'll just have to get help like that's it like yeah. they're not too yeah. bad headline, too no bad excuses. so sad the headline no excuses you know oh yeah no excuses totally. and, and you're right it would take an app developer i don't know probably an hour at the most to well fix, who knows yeah to fix these issues it doesn't sound like it's a very complicated app you're filling in information their form fields, their drop-down menus. It, I don't think it would be that difficult to do. Yeah, from what I know about coding, you, you're you're right. It probably wouldn't, but I, who knows? I don't know. But even if it is a lot of work, well, too bad. Like that's too bad. Like I'm sorry, that's your job. Your job is to follow the Accessible Canada Act and make your goddamn services accessible to the people that need them. And this is this is a big deal. This is travel. This is. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, 
<laughs> this isn't a small thing. This isn't like ordering a pizza. Like this is this is a huge well, the government service that's going to affect thousands and thousands of travelers, and uh, and especially with the Paralympics coming up. Well, um, there are seniors, and the article talks about this that are not online. There are seniors that don't have mobile phones. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, you're right. That is a whole nother issue. Like, and whether or not that should be a thing where it's just there, they require digitization of all the, of all the forms and stuff like that. Yeah, you're right. There are, there are demographics out there that don't, that is not a process that they can, that they can do. Um, whether it's because they don't have a computer, they don't have a smartphone, they don't have a laptop. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, if an 85 year old who doesn't have any of those things is doing, you know, jet setting around, but still, I guess that's not the point. The point is there should be all, all of this should be accessible to everyone. Have you ever been Period. on a cruise? <laughs> there's a little, yeah, that's a good point. There's a yeah, lot good. of people in their seniors who are retired who do a lot of travel. Yeah, it's a good point. But I mean, yeah, it just it, it that's the whole point. Yeah. The point of having an Accessible Canada Act is having federal agencies be accessible and all their services be accessible to everyone. Full stop. That's it. And they've completely failed at that with this. And nobody seems to be taking any sort of responsibility for that. Their their attitude just seems to be, well, figure it out. So I, I don't know. I'm really disappointed at this. I'm bummed out. It sounds like you're bummed out. I am. I know you are. I can hear it in your voice. Maybe you got to snap out of this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but, it, but honestly, I kind of felt good, though. I've been waiting to vent. I've had that, that all pent up for the past <laughs> couple hours, so I felt good to vent a little bit. Well, we'll have to watch that story, you know, and see if, if CNAB or Border Services actually follow through and if there's an update on that in the next couple of weeks. Well, and good. Okay. And I have to say this too. Good for CNIB. Absolutely. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're doing, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in this case. And, and uh, I think that it was great that they brought this to light and that they're working with these guys to try to fix the problem. So good there's job, CNIB. There's hope. There is hope. A new hope. Man, <laughs> I can't believe that though. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing, if you're going to have your app, not be accessible that's bad enough but then to just be like yeah and if you can't use the app well then i guess you're just out of luck like that's to have no sort of workaround uh it's that's that is just crazy to me like that's well there's a workaround you have to ask for help and have a paper copy that you take with you to the border (laughs) (laughs) that's their workaround unbelievable just unbelievable it is so, well, yeah, we, well, like you said, we'll keep an eye on this and we'll see where this goes, but oof, wow. Good times. <laughs> see, we needed good news. <laughs> you keep your eye open for good news articles to send me over, not these. <laughs> Joining us now is Daryl Lennox. Gentlemen. Hey, Daryl, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm honored that you asked me to join in. Oh, we are tickled pink that you agreed to come on our little show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, good. (laughs) Let's start out maybe just uh, with a little background information. Tell us a little bit about um, your eye condition in particular. Um, Well, I was born with uh, myopic degeneration. I've lost the sight and left eye completely through uh, detached retinas and and whatnot. And then... uh, uh, I had a surgery in Vancouver to stem, uh, get rid of a cataract, uh, which about 10 years ago, 2010, I happened. Uh, Dr. Francis Law, who's one of my heroes. I've got the best team in Vancouver. Uh, he did a surgery on me uh, to stem the, get the cataract out of there. Uh, then over the course of the past 10 years, uh, about three years ago, I became allergic to the glaucoma meds. Um, there was nothing to do about that. And then as of last June, uh, I went to zero vision, so now I have zero, and so that's where I'm now navigating that process. We we talk all the time with with people who are in various stages of that, um, and it, it it is a real process. How has that process been for you? Um, I don't know. I thought I was always prepared for it. I was afraid of it, actually. Um, 
but uh, I guess during the height of the pandemic and all this stuff, I was just kind of by myself through it. Um, but I knew I wanted to kind of learn how to independent live. Uh, CNIB was gracious enough to come and help me set up my apartment. Uh, but it's been it's been a mental adjustment. Uh, I don't have a reference point, uh, and so I do a lot of uh, meditating and using my thoughts for other things. Uh, but it's um, it's been a process. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's some things that I just don't understand what's happening, or you know, riding in the car for very long uh, gets me a little disoriented. Um, I I don't know. I've never done it before, so I'm just going through it. Yeah, I totally understand. I'm totally blind myself, Daryl, and lost it in a car accident. So had full sight and then boom, no sight. And so yeah. there, there is definitely a transition period that we all kind of go through in our own due time. And so, you know, it's interesting doing a little bit of research on you. I've listened to your comedy for the last few years and didn't know your eye condition was degenerative. I thought you'd lost it in the club <laughs> you know, like I got bopped oh. in the eye right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I i helped it along let's put it to you like that <laughs> yeah, yeah so, i was i didn't help myself too much with that but yeah it is definitely a process um that we all go through and how have you navigated yours if you don't mind me asking not at all. Um, so like, like yourself, when I lost my sight, I had reached out to the CNIB and they had helped mm -hmm. me with orientation and mobility. Uh, like I said, I have no sight. So learning to yeah. use white cane, I started learning a little bit of Braille early on and didn't really continue, mm -hmm. but I know enough that I can kind of label things if I need to label something. Um, you know, I've got screen readers on my computer um, yeah. and just talking to people over the years, putting yourself, surrounding yourself with people who are uplifting, motivating, encouraging, um, make, make a real difference. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to take a step back and just kind of, what's the word? Just, I guess, gather, gather your composure. You know, there's still times where, sure. you know, I, I, I bend over and smack my head on a towel rack or I smack my head on right. a countertop or, you know, mm -hmm. I slip on a stair or I kick a stair or I miss a handrail, you know, that happens. That's, that's going to be part of life and you can get angry and, and pissed off, but at the same time, life's too short. There's a lot of sure. life left to live and there's still Great. a lot of things that we can do. So you just kind of reevaluate where you're at and go from there. So sorry, this is just you guys was me interviewing me, but I, <laughs> you're gonna help me a little, a little here. <laughs> so here's where I'm at now. You know, so how's your body working differently? Like, I'm such a visual dude, and so now I'm like, oh man, like my eyes don't work in terms of like I don't know what I'm attracted to anymore because my eyes will tell me that it's gonna work now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What's really funny is I I get turned on by voices. Um, yeah, so I get a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, I can't see anymore, mm -hmm. and so I may hear the sweetest, sexiest voice um, from a woman, and yeah. have no idea what they look like. But that doesn't matter anymore. It just really huh. doesn't matter anymore. It's more about character. It's more about personality, sure. um, energy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, taste. Huh. I, mean, I still remember what pizza tastes like and poutine. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. This, this really, this is more of a, a comedy question than, than anything else. And I've always been curious how, how much of your lived experience becomes sort of material for the act. And, and in that process, do you find that is, is that sort of a therapeutic process for you? Absolutely. Um, I've, you know, I've talked my way through every aspect of my life. Um, the, you know, whether it be, growing up weird or, you know, getting divorced or all uh, the microphone has saved my life. And so that's what I've always gone to. And so now I'm in this process now uh, of the no vision. And so uh, I'm back on stage and uh, not being able to write uh, was a big thing. And so I have to remember everything. Um, uh, and I used to go for walks to get my, you know, get rid of my conscious mind so my subconscious mind can create. So now everything is just an intellectual pursuit. Uh, and so now I just talk it all out on stage. I just walk my way through it on stage and talk it out. And it starts to take shape. 
Um, but yes, I mean, every aspect of my life is, uh, is being expressed on that microphone. So are we going to have a blind ambition too? <laughs> uh, there's an album that will be coming out uh, in this next month or so called Super Bloom, uh, which will be the sequel to Blind Ambition. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, and I think from there, that album will probably turn into more than likely an HBO special. Uh, and so that'll be interesting to, um, I have, I sit on a stool now with my little walking stick. I'm not, uh, I'm not strong enough in my mind yet to get to the, uh, white cane. Right. Cause I'm, a, I'm afraid to, uh, walk out by myself. So of course I always have people around me. So I just have my hand on my shoulder and, yep. and adjust, adjust that way. I do the same thing. Um, but yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. When I lost my sight, I was living in the interior of British Columbia. And so, oh, yeah. I was, yeah. And so I mm -hmm. realized that I was going to have to go back to school. So I came to Vancouver, went to BCIT, and I've never taken any mobility lessons since I've moved here. So I don't travel independently with my cane here in Vancouver. I go right. in a sighted guide or I'm in a cab mm -hmm. or an Uber and have somebody meet me on the other side. Um, yeah. I totally understand that. You know, traveling with a white cane is terrifying unless you get yeah. important training, right? Right, right. And then yeah, and your confidence. Yes. Well, you know, I'm not shy from confidence in any sort of way, but mm -hmm. it's just comfortable for me. Sure. Um, and I, you know, when I'm walking, I'd like to, you know, be able to think, not have to be so conscious of, <laughs> of everything, you know, the steps yeah. and the lights and it's, that's, that's a little, my brain's too full for all of that. So, but it's still a process. Who knows? Absolutely. So when, when you sort of, you're, you're, coming up with sort of material for the act and you're incorporating a lot of the, the lived experience, like the, the visual impairment part of it. Is there ever a concern that like of, of how much you talk about it or how much you lean into that? Like, do you ever sort of, when you're developing content, you're like, well, I don't necessarily want to be defined by this particular material, but at the same time, it is your lived experience. And so I'm sure that you do want to talk about it. Is there a little bit of a balancing act when you're, when you're developing material like that? Um, in terms of the actual, you know, story or bit, uh, I just keep going until I feel I'm finished. But then as the world's happening around me, I'm still able to comment on that more so on how people describe to me what's going on now. Uh, because I, you know, I'm not a news, I don't partake in the news and, you know, a newspaper. And anything. So I get my news from people, everybody else. So when people tell me what's happening, I go, oh, wow. And then I form my opinion or humor based upon the messenger of where this came from. So I have, you know, friends on both sides of the countries and both sides political parties. So to me, that's way more entertaining and potential for humor <laughs> to listen to how somebody, you know, and Cornell has their opinions on, you know, the capital uh, overtake then to listen to the guys on CNN talk about it. Right. So that's how I do it. So I use, you know, I use the world around me as described by the world around me. And so that is, ends up giving the set a lot more balance than opposed to just, and here's another thing that I missed or fell or ate on accident. There's more balance to it. Right. And yeah, I think you, you touched a little bit on this, but I, I just want to, I'm, I'm just curious about this uh, and, and maybe you can expand on it a little bit more, but so how has your, your writing process changed or is that sort of still in the process of, of changing? Um, it's, it's still in the process. Uh, it's before my stories were, this is what happened to me. And then this is what I think when I, I thought this, when I heard this on the news, I heard this, I think about this when, you know, my wife decided wants to leave. Those are all thoughts, but now um, the process is much more of a feeling. You know, I'm feeling, you know, I, I'm feeling, you know, a little offbeat. Sometimes I'm feeling a little scared. I'm feeling like, uh, so it's become much more of a, uh, an emotional uh, creative process. Right. Uh, so as opposed to a very intellectual, write it out and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Now it's just more of a, well, I just kind of feel my way through this experience and then I can connect more with the audience. And I've become a lot more interactive with the crowds now, whereas before I just wanted to do my act. 
and just want to be the best community ever. So I just did my act. But now, through this process, I'm enjoying being more interactive because I can't see them, but they can see me. And my face does whatever it does. And so people want to, people seem like they want to talk more to me than ever before. And uh, I'm enjoying that process. So they're helping me create more. So in, in a way, it's, it's really evolved the act as well. Mm, very much so. Very, very much so. I'm really enjoying the process of what I'm becoming on stage. Um, at the end of every week, I always ask myself, if you could take the pill and see again, would you do it? And it's been more no than yes. <laughs> um, really? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Good for you. That's... What I'm learning about myself is so much more than I would have uh, without the, the distractions or the everything else, which I think is going to make me more impactful in my pursuits of business and comedy. That's, that's, that's so interesting that you say that. Um, cause we've had, we've had people on the show then, and that's a real big debate in the, in the blindness community, you know, people talking about that, you know, if there was a cure developed tomorrow, would they take it? And for, for a lot of people who have lived with blindness for so long, it's, it's, it's part of who they are. It's, it's how they've structured their life and, and just suddenly having vision again would, would dramatically be a, a big change. And so there are people out there that, yeah, they absolutely would not. Um, and it's, it's such a fascinating conversation. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I would always like to see, uh, you know, one of my sisters smiled again, or maybe my dad, but again, the depth and growth that I've had as a human being and the impact I feel like I'm having on people now uh, is way different. It feels like, this is pushing me more to my capabilities than my normal goal-driven um, way of doing things before. It's almost like I have to let, uh, I have to trust the, the wisdom of what's going on around me. And I, here's an interesting story, if you don't mind. So I was in, I'm in Florida right now. Uh, and so I'm going to sit in a bar and I accidentally bumped the guy next to me. I said, excuse me, sorry about that, sir. You know, I can't see you. And so if I bumped you, I apologize. He goes, no worries. So, but I could tell he was really tense around me. So I, I had a bartender buy him a drink and me a drink. He goes, no, thank you. So I said, oh, my name is Daryl. And he, he goes, I'm Bob. But it just didn't feel right. So uh, after a little while, and then he goes, so you can't see at all. I go, no, I can't. And he goes, well, how long has that been? I go, been about a year now. And he goes, huh. So he goes, what does that mean? I said, I, said, I have to trust everybody. I have to trust every single person in this room in my life. I have to trust them. And he got quiet and he goes, that's incredible. I go, yeah, that's what I have to do. I have to trust everybody. And so he goes, I'm a police officer. And I go, well, you can't trust anybody. <laughs> and he goes, no. He goes, I look, I, I look for things to go wrong. And I'm there. And I'll be honest with you. When you sat next to me, I just tensed and I felt I had to be on guard. And I said, I get it. And so he said, this is making a big impact on me right now. And so he says, uh, he says, I lied. My name is Bob. He said, my name is not Bob. Uh, of course, your name is not Bob. Nobody's <laughs> damn name is Bob. Uh, <laughs> and so, but we had this really big conversation. You know, this guy from South Carolina and, you know, he just openly admitted that he just because I'm, you know, big black guy, uh, he, he got nervous. And then once he found that I couldn't see and I have to trust everybody, it was like this big wall came down. And so those kind of things happen to me all the time now. Wow. And so I have to literally just trust that and that I'm going to be okay. Uh, and so it's almost like, uh, you know, without being, without having gravity, uh, you just hope that you're going the right direction emotionally and spiritually and physically. So I don't know if I'd give that back now. So that must also be a, a bit of a challenge for the job because I'm sure stand-up comedy, I mean, you're, you're traveling all the time, I'm sure. Yes. Obviously, during the pandemic, there was not a lot of travel, but I have been going a lot back and forth between Vancouver and Florida. Um, so this is a hard thing. Uh, was Even though I knew I was deteriorating, I just didn't want to accept any kind of help. So I just get to the, hour, to the airport three hours late and just squint my way to the gates. Uh, and then finally, uh, an airline, uh, personnel said, listen, you know, just, just take the wheelchair, just take the wheelchair. Uh, and, and I did, and it made things so much simpler. Um, 
And then when I became alert to the glaucoma meds and I knew I was getting ready for it, then I decided to find asking for help to be an asset as opposed to, you know, a liability. I have to help myself to let people help me. Absolutely. So travel is not an issue for me anymore. Yeah. You know, I used to get offered the wheelchair all the time too. And if I travel by myself, I, occasionally it still will happen, but I'll tell them, no, I can walk just fine. But there are benefits to being blind. You know, I'm a card carrying member and I can get pre-boarding and I can get. You know, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 I get disabled parking. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't drive. Oh, but... yeah. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> Kids, wait a minute. Can you do that? If people drive around, you can get the sticker. The, I've got, the, the a, thing I've for got them? a disabled parking permit for my wife's vehicle. Yep. So if I'm in the car, with right? you can park. Yep. Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah, this is this is this is something, you know. Um, the reason why I did agree was because specifically for this conversation, because I just haven't been able to talk about it at all to anybody except on on the stage. Right. Um, and and as many benefits I've done for CNIB and Thor ICAI Society, uh, just I've done this all to know it, but this is almost something that I needed to do for me. Sure, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. 100%. We all need someone to talk to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. So, and that kind of leads me a little bit into the next question. So have you, and you, maybe you've already answered this, but so have you, have you had a chance to sort of step into any sort of the, the, the blindness or the partially sighted communities um, at all? Have you, have you been able to sort of interact with the community in the past? Uh, has have anybody helped recently? Um, the last interaction I had was when the CNIB came in, uh, to my house instead of my house for independent living. Uh, and that was probably two years ago. And then with the pandemic, there was just, you know, yeah, there was no place for me to reach out anything and I couldn't go see Dr. Law or Dr. Rinder. Uh, and so I just said, all right, well, I guess I just keep living my life. And so I had to get on a plane and come to Florida and help uh you know keep running my businesses and and stuff and so uh no the answer was i haven't haven't done have not really how to reach out i reach out to anybody other than the cnib i know how to get a hold of them but i just haven't I haven't been enough in, in vancouver i haven't been in vancouver since christmas i've been here for the whole time i tried to come home and they spun their way at the border in march uh so i haven't come home yet so is there any sort of a, a an agency that's like the CNAB in Florida at all? I think it's called Lighthouse. Uh, so I have my CFO uh, trying to bridge that relationship for me so I can, you know, kind of be able to do the same things that I do with CNIB. I got my card and 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 know how to fly with them and, and all the other things the CNIB office. But I don't have that relationship with the people in the U.S. yet, right. but I will. Well, hey, listen, uh, the, the company that Ryan works for, they have a virtual pub night every Thursday, Thursday night. I'm sure that, that are, wait, are you guys still running that, Ryan? We postponed it for the month of August because Steve's away, but there is another one that others are carrying on. We're going to restart it up in September. See, there you go. Virtual pub night. That's right. <laughs> I don't well, even know what that means. Well, basically during the pandemic, there was a lot of people like like ourselves who couldn't go out places businesses were closed and how are we supposed to right. social distance when we can't see and and so mm -hmm. we decided to have this virtual pub night using zoom so we would send out a, a weekly invite to our email list and then they would share it with their friends and people they knew who were blind or partially sighted and then they would connect onto the zoom meeting thursday nights and we would all just have mm. a social conversation just a virtual pub night hmm. yeah so you could bring your well how did you wanted to and Okay. Well, all right. Okay. So I, you know, my phone is obviously my lifeline, but there are some things I just can't do with it. I can only voice command so many things, but they're like, you know, I have to have somebody around to help me do certain things. I could not have gotten this call today without, you know, my project manager down the buttons for me. Is there other ways to do that? Absolutely. Like how do you get on your, how do you get on your zoom meeting by yourself? Well, again, I can either do it from my, I have an iPhone and yeah, iPhone has a screen reader built in called voiceover. And mm -hmm. so if you enable the voiceover functionality on your phone, as you drag your finger around the screen, 
a voice tells you what it is you're touching. And right. in the iPhone itself, there are gestures. It'll walk you through how to tap, double tap, what two taps means, three taps, and so on. And so I can double tap on a Zoom app. It'll open it up and I can swipe to the left or I can drag my finger to the right and hmm. you know, find out what's around the screen, what's on the screen. A little virtual keyboard will pop up that I can you know, move my fingers around the letters and, and type on the screen. Um, or I can use my computer. There's screen readers out there called, um, mm -hmm. there's a couple, but JAWS for Windows is one of them. And then NVDA is another. And they give those of us who are blind and partially sighted pretty much full access to the Windows environment. Or if you're on a Mac, they have, again, a screen reader called VoiceOver built in, which will allow you to use a computer independently. Hmm. And it's all voice dictation, no typing or do you oh, type as all, well? It's, it's all typing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Voice wow. dictation for the blind is, is pretty complicated and very yeah. time intensive for training. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not mm -hmm. always accurate. So you need to be able to go back and make corrections. So typing right. is definitely keyboard navigation is definitely going to be way more efficient. Oh yeah. There's lots, lots of tools out there for sure. Well, right. And you know, and that's, that's really interesting too, because we find that like we, we've both worked in the assistive technology field for, for years and What's interesting about assistive technology is that not only do people in the mainstream, they just, they, this technology just isn't, there's no education on it. Like That's nobody right. knows that it exists until the day that you need it. Um, and even then, a lot of people don't even realize the full scope of the, the technology that's out there that can help. Um, so it's a real problem in the assistive technology field. We really need to really push education and to, to really get the word out there that a lot of this stuff exists that, that can be really game-changing technology in terms of, um, of what you can do. Yeah, you would think. Uh, I have an Android, and so the CNIB camera helped me try to use that, and the Android is terrible, uh, and the app sort of just all terrible. So I have a friend of mine who was a... A tech officer. He just built my. He just built me an app uh, that really helps me read my uh, stuff a lot more efficiently. It's very interactive with me. But this, this, the stuff is out there. It's just terrible. Yeah, it's just really, terrible stuff. It really yeah. depends on on the phone, the version of your phone, yeah. the version of the software. Mm -hmm. The talk, the screen reader for Android. The the popular one is called Talkback, and it uses yeah. the similar gestures as the voiceover on the iPhone. Um, and it is usable and it is functional. There's a lot of blind people that are using Android phones successfully. So it can mm -hmm. be done. It's annoying, I guess, because my phone is old, <laughs> but it's very annoying. Uh, it's a very annoying thing. Yeah, it, makes, it does make yeah. a difference on the on the device you're using for sure. Yeah, I would think well, so. And, and, you know, and this is the, the fight. The other fight that, that always happens is, is it also depends on what app you're trying to use. Um, you know, we right. just... Just before you, you joined the call, we were talking about, we were kind of venting because um, the Canadian border services have now come up with this new um, app that you have to use in order to, to prove vaccination. And the, the government of Canada, this is something that's mandated supposedly by the Accessible Canada Act. They're, everything, all their services are all supposed to be accessible, yet they've built this app and they've found that it's, it's not accessible um, on a lot of phones with using a lot of screen readers. And they don't seem to be really, the CNIB is working with them to try to address the problem. But I mean, this is the problem that always happens is that accessibility and building apps properly so that the screen readers on the phones and on the computers work well with them just isn't something that is high priority for a lot of developers. And it's, it's things that like that, that really drive us nuts on the show. What happens now? Am I supposed to have an app to, to come home in a couple of weeks? Well, you can't because the arrive can app is accessible. So what, what the headline says is that you're going to need help filling out the form either online or, oh. on your, or through the app. Um, okay. And I think to bring a digital paper or a paper copy with you to prove vaccinations. So wait, so you're coming back to Vancouver in a few weeks? Yes, yes. So I've been in the process um, of uh, getting a little backstory. So uh, after I did Conan, um, you know, they approached me, Conan and, and Brent Butt of uh, Vancouver, we're going to team up and we're going to 
do a sitcom about my life. Nice. And so as I sat there in a in a trailer working on getting ready to uh, to do the shooting scene, as I did in my head that what if the show doesn't work? You know, what are you going to do? Because I just don't want to be traveling as much because I knew I was going to be at some point deteriorating more rapidly. Uh, so I had the idea that I wanted to acquire uh, the Yuck Yucks franchise. And so I went into that whole process. So I've been negotiating with them for a little while now. And then that led me to realize there's a lot, during the pandemic, there's a lot of comedy clubs in the U.S. that just weren't going to make it. So now I've been in this whole process. I really want to revolutionize the comedy club industry uh, and kind of change what we're after. And so that's what I've been working on is I'm registered in Canada to buy Yuck Yucks and we're doing our due diligence with them now, all the 15 clubs. And then some here in the U.S. We're doing our close, closing our first one here in Florida. Uh, and so that's become my new passion. Uh, and so uh, we're about to do a build out for the new club here in Florida. And that'll give me some time to come back home to Vancouver and get on my house uh, and, and relax and then start this process with Yuck Yucks all over again. So that's why I'll be coming home in a couple of weeks, but it's been exciting. Uh, I love every aspect of it. Uh, and I can't wait to get home because I do miss Vancouver quite a bit. Do you really enjoy sort of that, the, the back end business part of that or, or, is it seem like really foreign to you because you're so used to performing? Uh, it's been an adjustment. Uh, I've always had a, a bit of a business brain because I, you know, self-produce and self-finance blind ambition. And that really got me started on being a more aggressive on the business side of things. But uh, the comedy club part of it, I've just, I've always lived in clubs, clubs. And there's such an old template. They're all so not run well. And so I thought if somebody could just run these things like real businesses, there could be really something exciting about this. So I do love the CEO aspect of the game. And then to go through it while I've gone to the zero vision is, is even more challenging, but at the same time, it's a lot more interesting. More doors have opened up now, you know, being a blind black comedian <laughs> businessman, there's a lot of things. That's so it's just interesting. And it's a good news story for a lot of people and stuff. And so I'm really looking forward to, you know, rolling this out in the PR machine. Cause I think we can have a lot of impact and I think people want to laugh and I think they can see that, uh, I'm genuine, uh, with my intent and my purposes. Well, and I feel like Vancouver has been sort of ripe for the picking in terms of, of comedy venues as well, because, um, historically there, there haven't been that many. So I feel like that's definitely something that, that Vancouver could be hungry for. I think it's Vancouver's again, you know, probably one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, I love it so much, but I do plan on moving head office from Yuck Yucks from Toronto to Vancouver. So I want Vancouver to be the epicenter of uh, Canadian comedy and as well as that, that Pacific, uh, that Pacific corridor is very rich as well. Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, LA. That's a very, 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 very a comedy rich environment that quarter is really powerful so I, I want vancouver to become the epicenter of comedy so that's that's the focal point i love it well listen hey any we will help in any way because any any chance to stick it to toronto we're we're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> just don't just don't ask us to tell jokes <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much for, for talking to us. Um, it's been really, really super cool. And I'm really excited. I'm excited for you to get back. And I, I want to go to one of your comedy clubs. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do a, a bunch of events. And probably might even have you come in to do a live podcast. Ah, hey, there you go, Rob. The live yeah. show, finally. Yeah. <laughs> live, oh, my God. Wow. Live show. Woo. Love it. Yeah. Sounds That'll great. Fun. Absolutely. Cool, Daryl. Okay, right. gentlemen. Thank Thanks you very much. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll, we'll talk soon. It. Thank you very much. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. Well, that was awesome. I, I, I was so cool talking to him, but uh, I, um, it, it must be such a hard experience to be looking at that transition like that. Like it, it, his, his vision loss is so new. Um, 
Yeah, that's got to be, I, I can't even, I mean, obviously I can't really imagine what it's like, but I'm sure Ryan, you know exactly what he's going through. I do. Um, like in, even in the conversation, we talked about how we all kind of go through and deal with these emotions on our own times, on our own schedules. And it's important to surround yourself with, you know, supportive people, encouraging people, people who are, are going to give you the strength, motivation and confidence to, to carry on. But, you know, that'll happen when, when, it, when the time comes. But he also did say that, you know, one of the things this, his blindness has brought attention to is how, how much, I don't want to put words in his, in his mouth, but how, how, how much more maybe of a human we've become. I know for myself, I was, I was an asshole when I had sight and I became a much better person after losing my sight. I became less vain. I became less arrogant. I became a better person. I didn't use my sight for the vanities of life, right? I, I, I rely more on sounds. I really rely more on experiences, emotions now. Sight, yeah, as nice as it was to have, isn't everything. And, and Daryl said that, acknowledged that. And that's an important step to take is being able to acknowledge and accept the fact that, okay, my sight is gone, but that doesn't mean my life is over. There's still a lot of life left to live. And he's coming around to that. So I got to give him a lot of credit for the strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, it is such, I'm sure such a transformative experience, like you said, like going through all kinds of different emotions, but it does change not only, I think, who you are, but also how you do things. When it's it's also just a hard conversation to have because it's such a personal and really raw time for somebody who's experiencing that type of vision loss that early. And so it's... um, Oh, it's terrifying, Rob. Uh, You know, as I said in the interview, I was angrier than angry. I just, I was pissed off. I was depressed. I, you know, that whole yeah. range of emotions, right? I was sad. I, I tears, like it's, it's devastating. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. devastating. Right. But with, with the right supports in place, you can come through the other side and still be a successful, competent person and carry on with life. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I think mean, that you can. And, and, <laughs> and I think that, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that really the key to that is just having a good support system in there, having a, a you know, getting dialed into the right community that can, that can help support you on the bad days or, you know, give you information that's vital. You know, even, even the question, some of the questions that Daryl asked um, for somebody who's been living with, with blindness for a long time, they're just like, Oh, wow. Like that you just forget that there are people at the beginning of their journey that don't know these things that don't, you know, aren't comfortable navigating something like talkback um, or voiceover on their phone yet. Like that, those skills take take a while to build up. And I can see it, you know, being at the beginning of that, it can be really hard. So, you know, I think it's so important. It just, it really drives home the idea that, you know, community is is really key. Absolutely. And there's no shortage of information out there now. We are living in the greatest times ever. We have information at our fingertips. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to dial Daryl into our community and uh, he's going to be our friend. Yeah. I'm going to go for a beer with him. Yeah, totally. hundred percent at his comedy club. (laughs) I can't believe he's buying Yuck Yucks. Yuck Yucks has been like a franchise here in the lower mainland for, for ages. I used to there, there, I've, I live up the street from a comedy club here, and it used to be a Yuck Yucks. I think it's, I, I, not, I forget the, the name of it now. It's just something like, I don't know, Bob's Comedy Barn or something. I, like, it's just, it's, it's not a big chain, I don't think. But um, yeah, that would be super cool. And the fact that he's going to move, he's going to make Vancouver the comedy hub yeah. of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> That's all very exciting. So yeah, this is... Very cool. And it just goes to show you, you know, again, we just talked about having the right supports in place. It sounds like he's got a great team of people around him that are help lead him or guide him in the right direction. So kudos to you, Daryl, and your team. Looking forward to having you up here. 
you know, it's, what's also really funny is, is how well it played into the, the story that we talked about at the top of the show um, about the stupid border app. Yeah. Um, perfect. Daryl's a perfect example yeah. of somebody who this is really going to affect. And it's not if he if he didn't have a, you know, sort of a, a production team or, and people to, to help him, uh, he'd just been screwed. Yeah, he'd get to the border and be turned around again. <laughs> He's screwed. Like he needs to fly into Vancouver, and yeah, they're just they're they're just out of luck. Yeah, it's crazy. So, f you, CBSA, and screw you, whoever else. I don't know whoever else is responsible for this. <laughs> Jerks. Uh, all right. Well, hey Ryan. Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email at cowbell at atbanter.com. And they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know what Steve would probably kill for? Like if, if Daryl bought up a bunch of those comedy clubs and then like had open mic nights. Steve would be there like a shot. I feel like Steve would love open mic nights. I wonder if he's ever done one. I don't know. Hmm. That's a good question for him. Is he he'd be pretty good at it. Is he that funny? Well, yeah. I think Steve's funny. I'll look at maybe. Whoa. Look at Steve without him being there. All right. Well. How would I know? I'm blind, remember? <laughs> true <laughs> where were we oh yeah we got to do the uh so yeah we're also on uh some instagram some twitter and some facebook i said that <laughs> did you I, yeah, that's the second week in a row it is i'm not used to <laughs> not used to you working hard and doing steve's job too but okay fine uh then that is probably gonna about do it for us this week a uh, big thanks to daryl lennox for joining us today and we will see everybody next week this podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778 778- 847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.